What do automakers think of the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency's new strict emissions rules? And is compost always a good thing? Hey y'all, welcome to the Beckosphere Climate Corner, your go-to place for international and U.S.-based climate news. I'm Becky Hogue, a science writer. Let's jump right into the climate news you need to start your day. Let's start with some climate change events. Global flooding resulting from sea level rise due to ice melt, among many other climate stressors, cost global economies $82 billion last year, according to the reinsurance company Swiss Re Institute. This number is only expected to grow. Over in the U.S., Lake Powell, which is connected to the Colorado River, is at the lowest point since 1963 when the Glen Canyon Dam was built. The lake is down to 24%. There's a 1 in 3 chance that the lake will be too low to generate power by next year. A recent study noted that climate change is 72% responsible for the mega drought plaguing the West right now. Now on to some climate change victories. The world's largest electric cruise ship just finished its trip up and down the Jiangxi River in China. It's 100 meters long and 16 meters wide, able to carry 1,300 passengers. Its massive 7,500 kilowatt per hour marine battery is from the world's number one car battery manufacturer, Contemporary Amperfex Technology Co. Ltd. This ship's design will become commercially available to escort sightseers next month. Staying in Asia for a bit, Indonesia revoked forest concession permits for 15 companies spanning about 1.19 million acres of forest in an effort to improve governance and transparency of the natural resource sector. That's 2,000 permits of mining, plantation, and forest use management. Over in Australia, Qantas Airways announced that it plans to reduce emissions by 25% by 2030. That doesn't sound like much, but flying is one of the hardest sectors to decarbonize. That's why it's important to cut down on flying as much as possible. HSBC, Zurich Insurance, Bain & Company, and S&P Global have all promised to cut down on business travel emissions. Or maybe we need to organize the flight system better. A new study found that the UK ran about 500 ghost flights a month between October to December 2021. They only counted international flights departing, so domestic flights could raise that number a lot. A ghost flight is a flight with no passengers or less than 10%, just so airlines can keep their timelines at busy airports, which are normally requiring airlines to make 80% of their flight schedule regularly. In October 2021, they reduced that to 50%, but it didn't seem to have much of an effect on the amount of ghost flights. That is a global problem. If the markets can't figure out a way to fix this emissions hole, governments might need to get involved to regulate ghost flights. Over in the U.S., President Biden is considering boosting mining of minerals to decrease reliance on fossil fuels, particularly Russian fossil fuels. He can do this by using the Defense Production Act, which was last used during the Korean War. A source from the White House told the Associated Press that if it happens, it will be done with the approval of native tribes and use a high level of environmental standards. Biden recently announced that $3.2 billion of funding from the infrastructure bill will go to retrofitting lower-income homes to make them more energy efficient. That means installing double-pane windows, improving attic insulation, and replacing and electrifying old appliances for about 450,000 homes. Electricity from buildings and homes account for 13% of U.S. homes, according to the Environmental Protection Agency. 
The Department of Energy released new efficiency standards for federal buildings. Starting in April, new and existing buildings will have to be built or retrofitted to meet these new standards. The DOE expects these updates to save about $4.2 million in operations in the first year alone. The federal government is the largest building owner and manager in the U.S. The U.S. government is also starting the biggest flood insurance overhaul in history today. Called Risk Rating 2.0, it revises premiums for 5 million policyholders in the National Flood Insurance Program. Premiums will now be based on more precise and accurate analysis of flood risk, which will hopefully discourage people from moving into flood risk zones. In other government news, the U.S. Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation became the second regulator to start pressing the banks to gauge climate-linked financial risks. Like the Office of Controller of the Currency, it will publish draft proposals to direct bank boards and senior management to develop a framework for managing and reducing climate risk. The Federal Reserve is also building its own scenario analysis to measure potential climate-related losses at large banks. And the Alliance for Automotive Innovation, which represents practically every automaker, backed a new tough EPA vehicle emission standard after 16 states and several ethanol companies sued the agency for these rules. The automakers say that it will encourage the movement towards electric vehicles, but that's the same reason why opponents don't like it. Now over to climate fails. A new report by Banking on Climate Chaos 2022, endorsed by many climate organizations, found that the world's top 60 banks have supplied $742 billion to fossil fuel companies in 2021 alone, despite promises made to reduce fossil fuel financing. The top five fossil fuel sympathizing banks, from the least bad to worst, is HSBC, BNP Paribas, Bank of America, Citibank, and JPMorgan Chase. The report lays out specifically where the money is going, and it's very visually well done, so I highly recommend you check it out. Over in Europe, regulators approved a two-year extension to the controversial North Sea Campo oil field. Sakar Point Energy owns 70% of the acreage. Shell backed out of its 30% last fall after being pressured by climate activists. Over to the UK, who has proven that not all compost is good for the planet. New data shows 35% of all compost sold in the UK comes from peat dug up from carbon-rich habitats. Peat lands only cover 3% of the world's land, but holds twice as much carbon as the world's forests. The consultation proposes peat compost be off the market to gardeners by 2024 and banned from even professional operations by 2028. Three-quarters of peat compost purchases are made by gardeners. The Horticulture Trades Association opposes any ban on peach sales. Meanwhile, the Royal Horticultural Society now only sells peat-free compost. Speaking of Britain, Britain has knowingly provided £5 billion of taxpayer money in the past three years to offshore energy and infrastructure projects linked to labor abuse and climate damage. Funding is a combination between loans and guarantees coming from the UK Export Finance Agency. And over in the US, an internal workplace survey at the US EPA's new chemical division shows a toxic environment, rife with industry influence and gross mismanagement. There have been many whistleblowers that have come out saying just that. What's sad is most of the staff thinks that they're choosing the industry over the public, despite many of them wanting to help the public. So they're kind of feeling powerless. 
And that was your climate news for the day. If you like the work I do, please consider giving this a five-star rating and leaving a review and consider checking out my YouTube channel under the same name. Remember to talk about the climate crisis every single day and to support your local news organizations. Bye for now.